0: I thought we'd take a moment and uh, reflect on our first video podcast that we did last week, Clay, because mm. I had a lot of um, local access game show hosts looking motherfuckers telling me something. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like personally, you, they were calling you
0: at your home? I think so. I think so. No. Yeah. Um, yeah so we learned that. We I can- would like to say.
1: I would like to say, uh, I, I we both got called out for having quarantine beards. Mm-hmm. I've had my beard for 18 years. Yeah, you've never so. looked different to me. So
0: me, yep. I, people can come at me if they wish, because uh, I definitely have given up on doing anything hygiene related. I'm lucky I'm wearing these headsets because it's putting, it's putting down my hair a little bit, because <laughs> I still haven't showered yet at this uh, late hour of the day. Mm-hmm. But that's what it is. But we learned uh, we can't put the clips, so it'll be a surprise right. to whatever people uh, see for this one, where we put clips out. If you're listening in audio, you'll see the clip unchanged. Think,
1: I think, hear me out. Puppet show. Yeah. Finger. Pains. I don't want to do it. <laughs> we can pay somebody else to do it. Well, we were joking last time. We'll give you, we'll give you a free month of Patreon access if you do puppet show <laughs> clips for us.
0: <laughs> we were. Um, we were saying last time when we did uh, when we take our little break in between the clip thing, the 10 seconds of silence, uh, we we're like, can they just see us? So we just yes. <laughs> just sit there quietly. And I think that I think that we should just sit there quietly as the uh, the clip plays over us. And so we'll, we'll come up with maybe we'll come up with with little bits or something that we can do. But anyway, let's get back <laughs> into this. It's called Dear Doctor. It is the latest episode of Star Trek Enterprise, which is what we're going to be talking about right now. So I'm going to take a break. We're going to play a clip. If you're on YouTube, maybe you'll see something. Maybe you won't. If you're on audio, nothing will change. And then we're going to get into Dear Doctor.
2: Even if I could find one, I'm not sure it would be ethical. Ethical? We'd be interfering with an evolutionary process that has been going on for thousands of years. Every time you treat an illness, you're interfering. That's what doctors do. You're forgetting about the mink. What about the Mink? I've been studying their genome as well, and I've seen evidence of increasing intelligence, motor skills, linguistic abilities. Unlike the Velachians, they appear to be in the process of an evolutionary awakening. It may take millennia, but the Mink have the potential to become the dominant species on this planet.
0: All right, everybody. So, dear Doctor. Is the 13th episode of the first season. It aired on January 23rd, 2002. Written by Maria Giacometan and Andre Giacometan. Directed by James L. Contner. That's a new name. Unknown. Unknown. uh, (laughs) I like
1: like how you nailed Giacometan, but you (laughs) punted on (laughs) Contner.
0: I believe I've seen the Giacometans before, but this guy... Contner. I don't think I recognize his name. In universe date is unknown, but it's 2151. In this episode, in the name of non-interference enterprise withholds a cure from a culture that has been stricken by a planet wide plague. Here we are. We got our first flock centric episode, Clay, where he falls in love. Mm. He withholds cures from people. He... Has incredibly sexually tense confrontations with Archer, who's wearing a tight T-shirt in the uh, the bar. <laughs> it's got everything that any kind of Star Trek fan would want. What do you? What if do you, you th- could, what you think?
1: if you could give it to them, would you? Would you give it to them?
0: <laughs> I would. <laughs> what flies. if they were? What if they were really begging for it? Would you give that to them?
1: <laughs> uh, this one. Well, we we also we've reached the episode that uh, we've been hearing about since. The last time it came up, people have been saying, Oh, just wait till you get to that episode, blah blah blah. blah. Oh really, you know, dear Doctor doctors. Which of those? course yeah, which of course I'm talking about the return of Crewman Cutler, which oh, everybody was looking know. forward to. <laughs> I'm glad you remembered her name. Who, I well yeah, I, I well I looked her up because I actually forgot it was the same woman from the cave episode. Yes,
0: yeah, strange new and Worlds. And
1: so I was I was depressed all over again when I found out that she, she died at thirty six. Yeah. Yep yep Very she has sad. she has one more episode i think
0: after this mm-hmm. when she comes back um yeah she she's a returning returning character something you think that the show would probably
1: do more with because of how limited the cast the the crew is on the show. especially ship? especially since they've already behind the scenes gone like well uh, uh we got nothing for mayweather for the rest of this show <laughs> so we gotta pad this out with something
0: somebody already wrote the space boomer freight episode damn it Wait. <laughs> Dear Doctor. Um I like Dear Doctor. I think that I think that Dear Doctor is oh well is is well made and I think what I think its biggest accomplishment is that it doesn't give you an episode that to me clearly shows why they're screwing up the Param directive in terms of the series if that makes sense. So, I think that they confound the issue here enough where I don't think there's an easy answer, really. I think that people can have preferences for what they think the right answer is, but I think that they mm-hmm. did as good a job as they could <clears throat> making this a morally confusing issue that they're all trying to sort through. And that's about it. I, I, not, not that that's about it, but I, I, that's like the primary takeaway that I get from this is that I'm glad that they didn't screw up the conundrum because I was halfway mm-hmm. through and I was very concerned that they were going to screw it up.
1: But I think that they did a pretty good job. But what say you about it? Uh this is the best episode of the season so far for mm-hmm. me. Um it's it does everything that they're good at. It does it fires on all cylinders. It's a lot of smaller character stuff um that they do really well. They do uh it's a it is a prime directive episode that is a twist on the prime directive in a way that the other episode wasn't. Um What's the other what's the other one? Are you Yeah, uh, it was a civilization, I guess. Was oh, the sure. other Prime yeah. directive. Yes, one.
0: where they go down to the Shakespeare in the Park <clears throat> planet.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like uh, they they do a nice even before they get into the specific. Excuse me, the specifics of the argument. They have a nice little twist on the Prime Directive thing, where they actually run into a pre-warp species in space. Mm-hmm. So it's not a question of do we go down and interfere. It's like, oh fuck, we actually we accidentally bumped into these guys. They're already in space. They're not. It's not a, a, a civilization of people who are, you know, really kindly, but they're still using like rocks and shit yeah, for tools. Yeah, yeah. They are an advanced people, but they haven't gotten to that point yet. So, what? Do you, what's the right course of action here as far as how to, how much do you interfere and all that kind of stuff? That and stuff also, really they've good.
0: met warp capable people before, so they're familiar right. with the fact that yeah. the technology exists. <laughs> it's not that you you really can't ruin it for these people. They met. They met somebody, and they met the Ferengi, who uh, are mysterious right. kind
1: of people that uh, maybe we'll run into. But Interesting yeah. choice of, of groups for them to meet is the Ferengi. I know. Are, you, you think the people would be like, went? you guys ever met the Ferengi? They're fucking crazy. <laughs> like- yeah. Yeah. They told us they had a cure, and they made us give them a lot of money, and it turned out to just be used <laughs> pinball machine parts.
0: I think that... I think maybe you could say the episode is kind of clunky in that how it confuses things. Maybe it's not clunky, but they go out of their way to make sure that this is not as clean cut as you can possibly get. Like they, they like we've sure. met a warp species before. We know this can happen. You're not ruining anything by telling us that warp is something that's capable of happening. Um, the other aspect that I do that they do is uh, which is confusing, but I think makes sense is that the uh, the group that are getting sick. Are in they're dominating the other species, but they're not cruel about it. Really, it's like mm-hmm. you, the other species is happy with the, the lot that they have in life in this setup, and it's not like it's a um, a situation which I thought it was going to turn into, which is that the cruelty of this ruling class is the reason that
1: Archer withholds something from them. Well, they don't. They don't do that until you get to Discovery where they have essentially the same episode <laughs> where they go to Saru's home planet and instead they're like, nope, we got to blow the fuck out of these people.
0: These are these are these are cruel, evil goo people. I, I think that I just really like it. And I but I, I think that I I think ultimately I kind of disagree with Flocks. Uh, Phlox's take mm-hmm. by the end of it, which I, I don't think is a problem for the episode. But the I'll tell you, the original the original ending that the network made them change was that Phlox lies to Archer and does not tell him that he's found a cure for it. Okay. So the thing there is that it's more about Phlox pulling his own initiative and creating a scenario where he stops the cure from spreading out. And Archer mm-hmm. is never in a situation where he has to make a serious decision about what's going on and the network wanted everyone including the captain to be on the same page as as to mm-hmm. what was going on i don't they all the production members thought it was very disappointing the way that it got changed i don't know i think i think putting archer in
1: that situation makes a little bit of sense to me oh 100% yeah, yeah. i i don't know why i mean I feel like if you have Flocks make that decision on his own, it really kind of casts him in a negative light. Honestly, mm. um, Was
0: that? Because I, I think well, that <clears throat> I think that it's I think it's too important of an issue. If you're you're clearly doing Proto Prime Directive stuff here, where Archer's is like we'll call it sure. an f- initial directive, and you know it has that whole scene. But if Archer is removed from it, it it creates a situation where this sort of no name alien of a race that we've never heard before. Kind of initiates it, but it also doesn't lead to the direct idea of what's going to come like him. It just feels like it's kind of a cheat that Archer as a human does not have to think about what this is going to mean down the line and that this guy kind of uh, tricks people into creating the prime directive in a kind of underhanded way. I I prefer Archer.
1: He wouldn't even be tricking him into creating anything, because if he doesn't tell him that there's something that they're holding back,
0: right? Not not trick, but he's not <clears throat> the the origin of the Prime Directive is like not on clear ground as to what what is going on with it, which is maybe thematic in that the sense that the Prime Directive doesn't make a lot of sense a lot of time in the way that people interpret it. But I, mm-hmm. I think that for how how much we've like castigated Archer for really not having hard decisions or anything to think about during these missions. This one felt appropriate that he does this and it feels appropriate that it's in character for the way that Archer feels that he wants to do it, but then recognizes that he can't do it. Even if I disagree with not doing it in the end run, but I don't know. What did you think about Archer and Phlox? What did you think about uh, what held it all together for you that you liked so much?
1: Yeah. You know, I I, I thought having Archer involved is a hundred percent the right call. Because I mean, it it doesn't become a Prime Directive episode unless you talk about it. So if Flocks just comes up with this cure and then is like, Ugh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tell them about this, then it's not a Prime Directive episode anymore. Yeah. Because the 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 people who are the ones who have to act these things out have no say in the matter. <clears throat> um, and having Archer involved, and especially having Archer involved, and to the point where he has to change his own mind about it, is very much a good call. <laughs> Very much a good call. <laughs> um it no, it, it makes it makes a lot of sense to have him do that because otherwise he's just kind of along for the ride. And having him make decisions, especially these decisions early on, that are the building blocks of what is to be known as Starfleet, I I feel like is the point of this show or should be the point of this show. Yeah. So to not have him involved there um, I think would be a big a big disservice to his character into into the show, and I mean, and it's just that those conversations are the things this show does really well. I mean, there's a lot of them in this episode. There's the one with Flocks and Archer. There's a couple with Flocks and Archer. There's the one with Archer and uh, To Paul. Yeah, where uh, he says the thing about. Uh, Oh, what Terpaul says. You know the Vulcans helped the humans, and we're still there. Yeah. And then he says, "I'm begin- I think I'm beginning to understand how the Vulcans felt." I mean, that's that's a huge, huge move for him, and it's a really interesting beat to drop. Um, Timing on that is
0: interesting too. I have to believe that was written. <clears throat> that's written pre afghani occupation in Iraq and things like that. I think. You know? so. Yeah. This yeah. is this came this came out in January 2002. So. Right. That's interesting. Like, to me, the timing on that is funny because that feels like such a production that's... That sounds like such a timeline of a show of a show that's aware that they're stuck in a kind of quagmire in the Middle East at that point. And, like, that's mm-hmm. what DePaul is trying to bring across. It's interesting that it comes earlier than that and that she is divorced from that reality when she says that as a character. But I think it's a... Um, in general, like... As much as they're trying to make the prime directive uh as a kind of prequel thing here the episode itself it's it's um it's ethics feel very of the era that it came out of really in a lot of ways like it feels very early 2000s in a lot of ways and I think maybe that's what harms it because I think that the end result of what they decide to do is a very early 2000s
1: kind of take on things but mm. um yeah it, it is it's a yeah, I don't, I don't really know. Well, I he, think what he, Sorry,
0: here's my here's my sure. solution just to get it out of the way. I it's curious to me that they don't just say we have a cure. However, you have to liberate this slave society that you've built in order to get it. And if you guys don't start working together and sort of like being honest and like living up to you know according to what like we consider to be decent values with it, you can't have the cure. I, I because I think that plays in this situation because the two species are so cordial with each other, it's weird that mm-hmm. the one is kind of enslaved to the other when they're very sort of pleasant with each other and uh, very like the worst that they do is like they don't let us farm in this land. they give us all the food, they just don't let us farm for whatever reason. It's like, okay, well is, just,
1: is that not even more of a prime directive issue than just giving them the cure for the thing to to sort to, of alter their f-
0: society? Yeah. I don't know because I I think that the problem you run into these Prime Directive episodes is that we never really run into an alien species. Like we we run Mm -hmm. into humans basically and it feels
1: that they always – they never have a prime directive episode where they're like dealing with two sets of like squid people.
0: Right. Who are eating each other or doing something right. that we can't yeah. even comprehend about what's going right. on. right? Yeah. Yeah. So, that would be interesting. I, but, I would want to see that. So it's in, in that case, that feels like it's harder to write. But for these cases where they're clearly human, like the aliens are basically just humans who are, have little funny things on their heads. It always feels that the accommodation to not impact them is wrong an Archer's sense. Like, if you were to tell me that these aliens don't believe in justice and fairness and things like that, I'd be like, I don't get that read, really, from these guys. Like, these guys seem to believe in that kind of stuff. And so when you have prime directives like this, that prime directive episodes that focus on it, I think the problem is it's just not weird and alien enough. Although, to the episode's credit, I think they push it as far as you can go with that kind of limitation.
1: Yeah, I think, ultimately, the difficulty with the with the the problem that they have is it's really kind of hard to relate to the stakes that flocks is talking about where he's saying well you know in like 500 years there could be a uh, power shift among these people and it's like okay um, <laughs> I, maybe or maybe like a hurricane comes through and wipes everybody out you know it's yeah. it's it's a weird looking using something that um abstract almost yeah that abstract that that abstract of an event with that ab- abstract amount of time yeah uh is is tough when it, when you come down to do we have the capability to save these people right now because Archer Archer makes an argument that I'm I'm kind of surprised I didn't lean into a little bit more where he's like well every time we we cure a disease aren't we changing the course of nature yeah. what do what do doctors
0: fl- do but change the course of nature yeah
1: right yeah it it immediately made me think of uh uh not not because it's it's like a one-to-one but it immediately immediately made me think of picard the ending of picard where it's like the whole thing is about you know letting letting time pass and do what it has to do and then at the last minute they're like nope <laughs> you uh, get season two undercut everything yeah <laughs> Um but also but also make sure you do eventually die which it's right. that it's oh, i'm never going to get over that the galaxy brain thinking that <laughs> that gets you that that gets you to <laughs> die by natural causes but then put into a robot so you 're alive again, but we don't want to fuck with nature too much, so the robot has a, death a natural life built span. into yeah, it natural lifespan anyway. yeah you i mean like talk about playing god can you play God <laughs> more than that than <laughs> it's, building a, a a finite amount of life into a robot.
0: It's the most anti prime directive. Prime directive. Oh my god! Anyway, that they've ever sorry. Had. No, Different you, show. You brought up a good point about um, the 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 other thing that besides the sort of relationship that you have when it, when it's too human of a species and you have a hard time divorcing yourself from what you think that their kind of ethical structure would be. The mm-hmm. um, the timeline is just so strange. I, I don't know about you, but I like. I would personally rather live in a a moment-by-moment thing where the ethics of the situation are all that you can really consider in that point and that there's no real Mm -hmm. point of thinking that far ahead because you have no idea what the dominoes are going to be by the time that you get to that point. So curing the people, to me, feels like the ethically right thing to do. I would have caveats where I'd say, like, if this is really important to you, something has to happen with these people because the way that it's working now it just doesn't seem to work. Or you leave it up to those people if they're happy doing it, whatever. But you can, have, you can have a whole discussion about whether or not it's right to, whether or not slaves are actually happy if they don't know any better or something like that. There's a whole like sort of ethical thing to compare there. But it's just that Phlox is, Phlox is seeing the dominoes fall down for 300 million years or whatever is just like, mm-hmm. really? Is that, is that really going to happen, Phlox? Like you're You're going to let these people die just because you think that might happen? It, it seems strange.
1: Yeah, it, do they do that sort of? Ca- they do that sort of calculus in Deep Space Nine with the uh, smart, crazy people, right? Well, that's for like, the, the war, right?
0: They think the yeah, war is going to be over in six months. Yeah,
1: yeah, they extrapolate it out, and it's like if if it's if this happens, then seven hundred years from now the human race is extinct or yeah, something like yeah. that. Um, this
0: is a yeah, little shorter. This is the we're going to lose the war unless we change something in a couple months or whatever. Right,
1: right. Yeah, um, yeah I I kind of you know I. This is another one where I liked how benign, but important the problem was, because part of me was thinking like I kind of wish this society was weirder, like what? Because when they were having that like that camp nighttime scene, and they do the thing with the food, I a hundred percent thought that they were eating. people. Yes, I, uh, yeah, so and like, so like green as people is that yeah. Like, yeah. It's especially as soon as Flocks to- takes a bite and he's like, ah. Huh. I didn't see any <laughs> cattle <laughs> or uh, crops or anything. Wonder what the <laughs> and they they
0: stuff. opened the cold open by showing that he just eats whatever the fuck he's yeah. got in his hands. Yeah, so I thought it was going to tie in, too. Yeah. but
1: I mean, I I was glad they didn't because then it would have been exactly a mirror of that Discovery episode, except the Discovery episode ends with them blowing the place up. Yep. but like yep. I I like that it's not it's not like this grand cultural thing where it's like, oh, the people in power are actually actively killing and eating the people who are are beneath them and we have to decide whether or not we're going to turn our heads yes. to this cultural thing that we don't understand. I I liked that it was something fairly benign but also very important where it's like we have the capabilities to save these people. But the thing we're saving them from is it is something that has evolved over time. Uh, science be damned, apparently, that the science isn't actually accurate, but I don't think it matters. It's
0: so nobody's me. fault. This is just going to happen, no matter what. Right. No matter
1: what. Yeah, and it's – I think I, – I I like that they get into that sort of minutia of it where it's like this is essentially an act of a, a, a natural disaster, for lack of a better term. Yep. And it's like if you have the ability – to go down to this planet and stop a tidal wave from wiping out this entire city is it ethical for you to do it or not and I I like that uh, conversation especially in this show a lot more than if it was you know weird people eating the subjugated race and blah 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 Um, I don't it's a little weird that uh, the subjugated race is like secretly super smart yeah um, that seems like a, like, I, I know they threw that in there to make it a little bit easier to grasp that these guys are kind of shifting their role. And, um, and
0: also I think it's that the, the slave race can die out and they won't just die because they can't be taken care of. Like they're, they're going to be self capable, right. even, right. even if this all, all, this whole event full unfolds the way that I they think it will.
1: I think maybe if they had shortened the timeline a little bit more. So it was like, you know, if we don't, if, I don't know, maybe that even makes it worse. But if they if there was if flocks could look at it and go, like this disease is going to, like I can clearly see that the natural course of action here is this disease is going to kill these people off, and within 50 years, maybe a hundred years, the the power dynamic is going to shift. Yeah. And who are we to stop that? I find I, I think that's a little bit more easy to to wrestle with or, or sink your teeth into than uh, dealing with like, millennia of of incremental change and stuff yeah um but yeah i think the other thing i thought was interesting was in that conversation with Flocks and, and archer about the ethics of whether or not they should do this uh flox says uh you know there were two species two dominant species on earth at one time right what if What if a alien species came down and uh, gave the Neanderthal's guns? Yeah, yeah, gave the Neanderthal's guns, and and so they became the the dominant species. And my first thought was, how do we know they didn't? (laughs) Like, if I was Archer, I would have been. I I would have fired back. How do you know that they didn't do that to Homo sapiens? Right. You know, there's, it's that sort of thinking is like, well, there's nothing, there's nothing to prove that that A didn't happen, and that B it was a negative thing that it did happen if it did. Right. So it's, it's, it's a really tough thing to come down on, like, definitively, which is why I kind of think the prime directive is, is created because the prime directive in and of itself is ultimately a way for you to not have to make a decision.
0: Yes. Yeah. I'd I'd agree with that. So, yeah.
1: So when you get to this sort of situation, if you, you, if you have the, uh, you don't even have to think about it because like, well, prime directive, we just, we can't do it. Sorry. It's
0: the libertarian solution to things. It's like I don't know, yeah. Just whatever the fuck happens, it's <laughs> <is> fine. Um, <laughs> it's it's true. It's a. I do think that's something interesting about it. It's a it's a moral get out of jail free card that's frequently portrayed as though it's some sort of grand ethical solution that they've come up mm-hmm. with. When
1: it's really not a lot of the time. It's the well, it's. I think what's interesting about it is every every time that they do a Prime Directive episode across any of these shows, it always is this this heavy heavy ethical quandary, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's always some sort of like life or death situation, and I think to be fair, it's life or death here, right? Sure, no, definitely, definitely. But uh, I I think the Prime Directive ultimately works until you get to a situation that is a life-or-death situation. So, yes. like, if you have a situation like, uh, I know this isn't exactly what's going on, but, like, Star Trek Insurrection, where they're kind of just, like, watching these people do their thing, uh, I, I I know that's not how the movie goes. I know that's not what's going on. But for, for lack of a, you know, you can watch an underdeveloped group not involve yourself with them and and keep that distance thanks to this prime directive, but I think there are some instances, which are the ones we usually see on the show, where ultimately the right thing to do is to break the Prime Directive. Yeah. Yeah. This one is a coin flip, depending on what side of the cosmic calendar you land on. <laughs>
0: where do you actually come down on it? Are you with Archer or are you with Flocks? At least early Archer. Uh,
1: I I don't know, because I I feel like you... Assume, I feel like you're at a disadvantage if you're citing the prime directive. This is the nerdiest conversation we have ever had. <laughs> this is like this is like a parody of Star Trek conversations right now. <laughs> um I think you are already at a disadvantage with the prime directive as soon as you make contact with the people. So as soon as they know that you exist, you mm-hmm. are from the, the stars and you have advanced technology, you've broken the prime directive. Yeah. So at that point anything you do is just you can't break it twice. Sure. So I think there is an. I think in this situation, but it's then like, well,
0: wouldn't this wouldn't this episode kind of get around it through the? We've met some warp warp capable people. Hey, how about you give us some warp technology? Kind of stuff like that's the. Sure. I think that's what the, what they're playing at with that thing. Where I would agree with you. Like once you expose yourself, the cat's kind of out of the bag. And right. I think we've discussed this in previous ones. Like if you have a prime directive where you expose yourself accidentally. uh Take that out of context. And then you, you, they, they'll have those episodes where one alien meets them. It's just, it's, them.
1: it's not as bad as when you, the Prime Directive, where you expose yourself intentionally.
0: <laughs> <laughs> they'll have the episodes where one alien meets them and they either like mind wipe or they never show anything else. It's just the one person knows by the end of it.
1: And they sort of, fl- or they, or they take that, they just abduct that person from their planet and, right. abduct duck them into Starfleet. Move them somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. If
0: you, It almost feels like you're more impacting a society if you don't stick around and explain yourself, and you just kind of take off, leaving them with this like taste of what's going on out there. Like if in um, is it Into Darkness? The one where they the Enterprise is out of the out of the ocean in the opening. Yes, that feels worse to me than any kind of like, hey, yeah, we actually exist. Like, nice to meet you. This is what we're about. If you just let them see you and then you fly off. Because I think even Into Darkness is like they start worshiping the drawing of the ship as some kind of like God creature. Uh, That seems worse to me than what they do here, which is to sort of explain how we're going to screw you over by the end of this, the whole thing, and you're all going to be dead.
1: Yeah. And I, you know, it's, it is an interesting question to have. And I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit surprised they didn't push harder from the archer angle about this, where it's like, you know, what if. Archer has good points. I like Archer's he does. points in this, yeah. yeah. what if an alien race came to Earth and said, uh, we can cure everybody's cancer? Yeah. W- what wouldn't you want them to do that? You know, is is not is not taking the cure for cancer uh Worth somehow saving better. Our culture. Yeah. Yeah, you know, like are we are we going to be better off if we if everybody dies from cancer, I right. don't probably not. I hope not. <laughs> uh, but I'm so which is why they end up working this like cast system thing in. Yes. And I think it would think be cruel. Otherwise, probably, right.
0: Like that's the right. That's the and that's the confounding thing about the episode. Like in some ways, I think the episode is overwritten because they had to try to jam the thing in there to make it as complicated and less complicated. Clean cut as they could, which is, mm-hmm. which is not to say that it's unrealistic. But I see the strings of the writers there going like, "Yeah, we have to make this a cast system. Like they they have to have some kind of thing going on here." Um, but yeah, like yeah, getting it back to there is just
1: I don't know. like I, I, I go ahead. Sorry, I was going to say I think I think the Jean Luc Picard answer to this question mm-hmm. is that he shows that he gives them the cure but he also makes some that like you were saying there's some sort of compromise condition or compromise that is made where it's like these people that you're that are you're subjugating are a lot more smart a lot smarter than you think they are there needs to be some sort of cultural change but then you get into to paul's argument though where it's like if you're going to do that you got to stick around to make sure they do it
0: yes that's the the downside.
1: yeah so it does. Like I think, uh, I, it does. That mean that then doing nothing is the right way to do it, or is it just the easiest thing to do? Yeah, and I think that's what the real what the real problem is.
0: I, I think that, and I know that this is Proto Prime Directive, so it's 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 kind of illuminating for Archer. But the gung ho ness that Archer goes into these alien situations with is good writing in the sense that he doesn't learn. He hasn't yet learned what the Catastrophic outcomes of doing this are right. like you. Right. The the prime directive as a a fail like it's better safe than sorry. Just don't talk to them at all is like what the prime directive eventually turns into. But
1: Archer introducing himself and in sort of, which is how I handle people I went to high school with. If <laughs> I like see them, I just don't just even engage the other way. I have, a prime, I have a prime directive from with people I who I live in my hometown. There's always that um. Hi everyone.
0: There's always that. There's always that thing where. You think you recognize someone, but you don't want to be like staring at them to, to you know so you, right. you kind of give a couple quick looks, but then you're really not sure because you' just your vision is all fucked up, and you walk away, not sure if that was the person if they recognized you if they were ignoring you at the same time, and you just go on yeah, I not knowing
1: I always take solace in the fact that I feel like I probably look different enough because of my long hair and my beard mm-hmm. that I could notice them and change course before they like clock me. <laughs> I'll um, ignore you before not you true. even know I was there. Exactly. Yeah. My newspaper goes up real quick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I disagree with. Have you ever had anybody that you went to high school with wait on you, but you don't acknowledge that you know each other?
0: No. But funny, well, this is my wife has a better story. When my wife graduated, um she'll probably kill me for saying that. Oh, she tells the story. Um, when she graduated high school, she was working as a uh, working as a caterer over the summer. So she had graduated. She had her job as a caterer, and she got a job and was sent off to uh, this party to cater for. And she was serving her cl- a party for her graduating class that she was not invited to.
1: Oh, that's brutal. She, she
0: comes from a oh. And her, her boss was her boss even recognized and was like, "You don't have to work if you don't want to be here to do this with these people." But she, wow. She was raised in an extremely tight ass New Jersey suburb uh, where this kind of thing would probably happen quite frequently. But she she stuck through it. She said they tipped great. The parents tipped great, and she had a, she had an
1: okay time. Wow. I mean, you <laughs> stay just so you can spit in everybody's food, I that's guess, high- but. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is brutal! It I is. Hope, it's, she, it's heartbreaking. Did she? Did she wipe the tears with all the tips that she got afterwards? She's, she said that it was, She
0: said that she actually felt bad for the the other kids who were there who recognized her. seemed to take it worse than she did. Was her opinion of it that they thought it was more awkward than she actually did?
1: That uh, reminds me of an episode of Cheers where uh, um, this uh, Woody's father in law this rich guy is having a party uh, like a classical music party and he comes to the bar and and strikes up a conversation with rebecca and finds out oh rebecca is well versed in classical music so he invites her to the party Mm -hmm. and so she's thinking oh great i'm gonna have this really rich boyfriend so she gets all decked out and everything and when she gets there it turns out that he wanted her to cater the party yeah (laughs) (laughs) and so she goes into the back and she gets hammered and calls sam and so then sam explains everything and then she comes out and and tries to the the rich guy's like oh uh, that's obviously really embarrassing she can be my guest but she's like shit-faced yeah so she's uh you know clarity ensues as it does (laughs) but oh man that's a brutal story
0: it's heartbreaking teenagers who'd have thought we they need a they need an ethical conundrum about teenagers uh to get back to this i don't think you ever really answered so are you an archer
1: man or a flocks man here um I may have cut you off. I, I got I, I I feel like I'd probably be on ultimately be on the side of Archer because it's yeah I don't know I don't that's really difficult to to have the ability to save a generation or of people and not do it because maybe the other people might you know it's it's I I it's difficult to do you do you ever think that he gets around. Because
0: I think Archer's point about this is what doctors do is fairly devastating mm. to Flocks' argument.
1: I think. Right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. 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 And it's it's like I said it's it's tough to think, it's tough to consider if you if you consider everything in the scope of hundreds of years and like if you're if you're making considerations about your everyday actions based on what might happen due to evolution or
0: your great great then, great, great grandchildren almost. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, there are some things where maybe you need to consider thinking ahead, like whether or not the planet is overheating itself and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Saving um, enough
0: for your retirement, hopefully. Yeah,
1: maybe. I'm, I'm obviously not thinking about that one. Um, gonna have a job to do that. <laughs> uh, so uh, everybody sign up for the Patreon. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think in this sort of situation, it's it's tough not to be not to choose to save as many people as you can. Yeah. Yeah. I mean especially especially where like I think you could make the argument that uh, there's nothing saying that this is going to be the thing that wipes them out. Like you could save all of these people and then this thing could mutate itself and they die anyway. Yeah. You know, so I think thinking in 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 centuries is is difficult to to back up. The menx uh, could, uh, when could it become saving lives. the Menks
0: could be so intelligent that they build an atom bomb and blow up the remaining Whatever the other guys right. are, you know. Yeah, who
1: knows? Yeah,
0: yeah. I, I don't know because it feels, it
1: feels like a fairly like New York. You give, give, give. Uh, tell everybody you've got the cure, but give it to the Manx. Right. And so, like if you guys want this, you got to be real nice to them, <laughs> and then maybe they'll give it to you.
0: Right. Which is kind of my uh, was my sort of initial compromise that you think Archer would do. The yeah. again the episode gets around that by they're not really that mean to them which is a tough thing i think like it's a it's an episode that's like this is slavery but it's not that bad like they're they're pretty nice to them but like it's not yeah. really they they have a lot of freedom they can go where they want they just can't grow corn
1: here in this strip of land it's um or sorry i was going to say there is the other compromise is if you don't want to give it to them straight up give them like the pieces to do it yeah and, or like put push them in the right direction, uh, as to how they could figure out the, the the solution here. And in that case, if they get it, they get it, and if they don't, they don't.
0: Yeah, and I guess that point would kind of fall into the. Um, is it to Paul that makes the to Paul makes the argument about why you can't just give them warp energy warp drive technology? It's like they don't know what to do with it, and they're going to blow themselves up if they try to do something with it. So right. It's, it's like more right. devastating to them if you actually even just kind of hint at what they want to do. Um, right. Yeah. It was a, that request caught me off guard though, mm-hmm. that they wanted Warp Tech to go find a cure for them. I was like, well, I guess that fits and it makes sense. But what a strange, what a strange ask in a lot of ways. Uh, yeah,
1: it is, it's <laughs> like, just, I, uh, I'm dying, I'm dying of, of advanced lymphoma. Can I borrow your car? Right.
0: Your car goes real fast. It's a real smooth yeah. ride. Do you mind if I take that to go to the clinic that's 50 miles away? No, I mean, when you put it that way, I guess it makes sense. But (laughs) it's it was just a um, I think it it thematically fits in, you know, and I guess we should probably wrap this up with a discussion about Phlox's relationship stuff that he's in, Mm. um, which is good. And I think fits the episode. Uh, I think the two actors and the actor and actress are very good and charming with each other. Yeah, Um, I like her. She was good. I think that. This series has nice little scenes like that where I really enjoy Phlox and Hoshi talking where Hoshi's trying to learn Denobulan or whatever their language is called. Like there's mm-hmm. a a real sense of the prequel nature of the in the franchise for scenes like that, where Hoshi is still kind of screwing up the language and she's actually manually learning how to say these things to them. It's not relying on the translator. And right. it, it did get like it got me wondering. I like Phlox and I like Paul. The show tends, the, the shows in the series tend to have a good time with those characters because of how alien they are. And people have been mm-hmm. complaining that the human characters on the show are boring. And I think it's just the problem that Star Trek's prism is always most sharply honed when it looks through the eyes of someone who isn't human at humans. Mm-hmm. And Phlox, Phlox is interesting because Phlox is not really all that unhuman. In a lot of ways. I think they struggle occasionally to make him be unhuman uh, because he is kind of just a gregarious, like, happy-go-lucky guy. Do you think they succeeded here in making Phlox seem alien or different enough that Um, this makes sense?
1: Yeah. I I think they make him – they do a good job to reinforce the idea that he just likes to immerse himself in different cultures. Yeah. Um, it's a good character, like, for him. It's interesting. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it's sort of like it's it's kind of like the data thing, but it's a li- it's more um, fun. Yeah, he even and, likes pets.
0: He keeps all those uh, pets right. in his room. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, and it's, so it's it's not just teach me how to be human. It's actually like, no, I've been. I just want to see everything. I right. Just see how everything works. Which is, and you know, so you get these cool, great scenes where like they're watching the movie, which I guess enterprise netflix has all the best 200 year old <laughs> movies to watch it's the same um, thing
0: with the classical music they just haven't updated their uh you know netflix queue to something that's coming yeah. in the past 100
1: years yeah i wish they you know if it's a paramount show i wish that they had like just had them watching friday the 13th I part know. seven or something know. you know something something really weird and and esoteric you could grab or uh, collective. um But, yeah, I I like that scene because, you know, you've got everybody, all the humans reacting to this movie in a very specific way, and he's just like watching Trip Mm -hmm. have the reaction. (laughs) You know, it's it's really interesting. And I I was surprised they did an episode like this so early in the show because usually I feel like they do these slice of life, let's follow one character episodes like in season five. Yeah. When it's like, yeah, we got nothing else to deal. Let's do a date episode. This or, is very much like date Odo Day episode in season yeah, four. Very much, TNG. yeah. 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 Um, less dancing, unfortunately.
0: Yes, less dancing, more narration over the over the top narration. I guess which uh, I don't really have anything to say about that. I, well, the Flocks and T'Pol have a scene here together, mm-hmm. which I think highlights the differences between the two of them quite nicely. And Phlox actually has voiceover at the end of it that says that he doesn't really like the way T'Pol is because he could never be that way. Mm-hmm. which is good. Where do you stand on T'Pol at this point? I I think T'Pol is just off of being a good character. She's just off. There's, slightly, there's yeah. something slightly askew with her.
1: No, I I, I still like T'Pol. You do, yeah. Um, I think... You don't think she's overly cruel in some situations? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, why not?
0: I wouldn't you mind know? it. I think that... I think that all it does is it highlights how good Nimoy was at it. And we've talked about this right. before. But there, I think there's a well, way to... Well, to be fair, to
1: be fair, I don't think every Vulcan has to be the same. No. But... You know, like, it's it's unfair to compare every Vulcan to Nimoy playing Spock mm-hmm. because he's very specific thing he's doing. Um, so I don't mind a Vulcan who's a little bit more cold uh, to the situation that she's in. Yeah. Um, but I'm sorry, I cut you off.
0: I think that my thing to Paul, I think it's the performance. I think to Paul comes across as intentionally being cutting with her comments. When I think that the mm-hmm. script is not written that way. It's not written that she's like intentionally trying to hurt Flocks. She's just saying like, well, in my you know, in my calculation, I don't think it's extremely likely that an interspecies relationship would work or something. Like there's a mm-hmm. there's a very like smooth way to say it, and the the harshness of it comes from the fact that Flocks wants her to tell him that it's going to be okay, but she doesn't want to do that or she's incapable of doing it. I think that I think that Blaylock just plays to Paul a little bit too cold
1: sometimes in like an intentionally mean way. I honestly don't mind it because I think everybody else is fairly bland. Okay. As far as uh, the humans go. Like Phlox is very interesting. Everybody else is just sort of like normal humans. So I I do – I think the choices she's making to play her a little bit colder and a little more cutting do make her stand out from everybody else.
0: Mm. Yeah. We'll see how she develops. Um, I do like her. She has a – She's, she's got a great physicality as an actress for the Vulcans, though. She moves, she moves mm. almost like Saru in a lot of ways. Like it's kind of a gliding sure. thing.
1: Um, which, I don't know if that's just because that thing she's wearing is so tight she can't it's I know. It's, yeah, her, her, her ass is
0: just <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> but even she, when she sits, she kind of sits in like a meditative pose when she's in the captain's mm. chair. And I think she's mm-hmm. – she's, I don't think I've ever heard anyone talk about it, but she's underrated in the physicality of this performance. I think she does a good job in it. Um, she looks alien and how she moves around. Um, That's it. Do you have anything else you want to say
1: about Dear Doctor before we go to final thoughts? Uh, Yeah, I didn't realize eggplant was a fruit.
0: I didn't fact check that. So I guess I'll... I
1: assume it's because there's seeds on the inside. Is that? But aren't all
0: vegetables technically fruit, right? Is that the case? Isn't that... There's something like that?
1: I I thought the, the, the delineation was if there's seeds inside it, then it's a fruit.
0: And what vegetables don't have seeds
1: inside of them? Oh, that's them? true. I guess zucchini, that, yeah. Maybe celery? Yes. Yeah, celery's the worst. <laughs> celery is the only true vegetable because it sucks. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. Uh, I, I was just working on the same principle as why tomatoes are fruits. Right. But I honestly don't know the specifics.
0: We'll wait for the uh, the Keiko botanists in the, the comments to let us know. I think maybe I'm just thinking of there's like 99% of things are fruit and there's like one tr- 1% true vegetable or something like that. Mm-hmm. But there's some minor difference between the two
1: of them. Or uh, Tomatoes. I do know tomatoes were the first Russian in space, though. Tomato. Potato, ah, potato. Tomato Tomatovich.
0: <laughs> Let's take a break. We'll play a clip from the episode. We'll see what happens with the second one. And then we'll be back to read patron thoughts and give our final thoughts about Dear Doctor.
2: Well, what are you suggesting? We choose? One species over the other? All I'm saying is that we let nature make the choice. The hell with nature. You're a doctor. You have a moral obligation to help people who are suffering. I'm also a scientist, and I'm obligated to consider the larger issues. 35,000 years ago, your species coexisted with other humanoids, isn't that correct? Go ahead. What if an alien race had interfered and given the Neanderthals an evolutionary advantage? Fortunately for you, they didn't. I appreciate your perspective on all of this. But we're talking about something that might happen. Might happen thousands of years from now. They've asked for our help. I am not prepared to walk away based on a theory.
0: All right, everybody. Thank you very much for listening to our discussion about Dear Doctor. If you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash Lipinski file. A couple dollars a month and you get extra things like extra podcasts, extra commentary videos. There'll be more of those coming out this, ooh, this month, whatever it is. We talked about Brightburn last month, the uh, the evil Superman movie. All that good stuff. There's about 70 podcasts available to you now if you become a patron. It's much appreciated. And as always, our $10 captain tier gets a special shout out. Special thank you goes to Alec DeWolf, Andrew Sherlock, Ben Douglas, Captain Brazen, Cardinal Doomsday, Chris Tinsley, Christian Michaels, Christian Park Pouch, Darth Moss, David Beermore, David K. Dwayne Hackett, Eric Johnson, Eric's Antoine, hh twenty eight, Jacob one two three, Jake's Gamer, Joint Mango, Jordan Cooper, Kevin Lowry, Kevin Race, Cal Barrett, Mad Courier, Six, Matt Cutler, Matt Houston, Matt Ross, Mike Burnett, Mike Harris, Nathan Elliott, Neil Brennan, Nick Sergi, Robert Cummins, Russell Oates, Sam McCuster, Grimstin, Sean, Stefan Minton, Tark Latif, Tom, Hiles, and Vault, thirteen hero. <sighs> My goodness. Thank you very much, guys. You're too kind. It's much appreciated. Uh, you keep the show running. And Enterprise, for some reason, has picked up a lot of patrons, which is not what I expected. But welcome
1: to everybody, and thank you for being here. Thank you for supporting the show. I hey, Do you feel like we made the right choice as opposed to diving into Voyager?
0: What do you think at this point,
1: knowing very I, little about Voyager? Knowing what I know about Voyager, I'm glad we did Enterprise, because yeah. Voyager just seemed kind of like more of the same to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas this one is at least has a different hook to. I know Voyager's hook is they're lost and whatever. Yeah. But uh <clears throat> this one it's it's kind of like a half and half for me cuz I think I I am finding this I think more interesting conceptually than I would Voyager, but I do still miss the more modern Star Trek trappings. Right. Um 90, but I'm, I'm getting Star used Trek to trappings, yeah. Yeah, like the the suits and the badges and shit. Mhm. Um, but I am starting to come around on this stuff, and it is it is um, it is uh, growing on me.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm glad we did Enterprise and not Voyager. Um, at this point, Voyagers there's always there's a chance. I mean, Voyager is likely to get done at some point, but this one being quicker and more different, I think it was just refreshing to step away from that late '90s Star Trek thing for a little bit. Um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see where it
1: goes, though. There's still a little bit of a ways to go. Do we obviously. have any? Do so. We didn't hit our $400 a month thing to do a full run through of vo- not yet no. it's still time $900 a month D- 900 should we have another one in there where like if we if we get to x amount of dollars per month by the end of enterprise like I'll do a live performance of the theme song or something <laughs>
0: <clears throat> <laughs> That will be our one off special event that is only available to people who sign up for the Patreon for that limited time It's been a l- you're still not listening to the whole song all the way through obviously
1: No, I know those first two lines like the back of my hand at this point, though, because that's when the skip button pops up.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think we talked about it last time. I'm not I'm not liking the song, but it's certainly it's got it has that like emotional not emotional has that like time and place feel to me now. Like it's like, oh, yeah, this is this is an enterprise episode. Although I'll say one thing about the song. The song fits whatever tone the cold open has. Sure. Does that make sense? No. <laughs>
1: like, can you elaborate? No matter
0: how, no matter if it's a joke or sad or oh, indifferent, okay. the tone, the 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 tonality of the music seems to fit any kind of cold open that you can throw at it, which is kind of interesting because the, the, I think the Star Trek like orchestral stuff kind of stands on its own and it's less of a pop song so it's, it has a harder time feeling like it doesn't belong at the end of a scene mm-hmm. but this pop song feels fairly generic across all the other stuff so I think it works in a way that I wasn't really expecting.
1: Yeah, speaking of cold opens, I uh, this is a really weird like, the, you, like you said, they're all very short. Mm-hmm. This might be the worst cold open they've done just because I... It seemed really. It's just flocks it, with his pets, right? Is that the yeah, yeah? And like, like at that point, why even do it? You know, other than to be like, oh, I guess we're gonna focus on flocks for this episode. Yeah, yeah, I
0: mean, I guess it shows that he <clears throat> is interested in other things. Like he's a thoughtful kind of person. who's sure. okay, willing to take care of stuff. Like it doesn't directly yeah. tie in, but I didn't think it was awful. It was, I
1: yeah, I don't. I guess I don't mind that. I just the the Star Trek cold open traditionally has such a very specific function to it yep that it's it's weird when they do something so subtle and so quick none of them have been hook setters yet right I don't think. that's that's what i mean it's usually traditionally there's some sort of hook yep. that they give you to to get you into it but and these these ones have been a lot more languid i think
0: it's all very slice of life in a lot of them it's just kind of like a small short scene uh, of pe- what people are up to not but not even not even slice of life in a way that it's like obviously just a little vignette that they're doing it's kind of almost like more mundane than that it's it's a it's almost a pointless slice of life that they're going through which is kind of what the show does but
1: like they should i wish they did one where it was like uh uh malcolm in the engine room and it's like you know the the uh white noise machine's going and he's walking back and forth and then he goes over to this thing and he pulls out his screwdriver and he goes to tighten it and then he just drops his screwdriver down into the hole and he goes, Ah damn it. And that's the entire thing <laughs> It would be it
0: would be uh it would be in service of the plots, I'd assume, with characters such as them. Let's get to patron. Like,
1: he gets he get he gets all this stuff. He just walks into the engine room, he's got his coffee And then he gets his stuff and he walks walks down and he gets all the way over the thing and he goes, "Ah, I forgot my wallet.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Pours pours the bowl of cereal, goes to the milk and there's no milk in the jar. And it's just like, ah, that that kind of stuff. Fox, fox. Patrons leave their thoughts about upcoming episodes. We read them on the podcast. There's a lot of them for Dear Doctor here, so Clay, I'm gonna to try to get
1: through them fairly quickly.
0: Vault thirteen Or hero. you
1: get a shot of you get a shot of Malcolm's We're off to a room. good start. <laughs> Sorry, I got- am <laughs> <laughs> just fucking with you now. You get you get to Malcolm's room and you get a shot, his his fridge is just full of cake. <laughs> Proceed.
0: <laughs> Vault thirteen hero says he came uh, Vault thirteen hero came early he he obviously wanted to talk dear doctor from the very start of the uh, comments being available dear doctor first off I love flocks and this is a great showcase for an alien perspective of a moral dilemma tough decisions for both flocks and Archer and I like how the menk were handled as you could make arguments either way as to whether or not they were treated fairly. If this was early TNG, it would have been played too corny or involved the Space Irish, but Enterprise does a fantastic job keeping the tone right. Overall, a great season one episode, although it lays on the prime directive foreshadowing a little too heavy at one point, that would make some eyes roll. I also have to say that you and Clay make a very cute washboard. Oh, thank you very much.
1: I, uh, that, that's really funny, because if it was the Space Irish, I could imagine Ar- flocks telling Archer, and then Archer just goes... Don't give the cure to these fucking people. <laughs> <laughs> Just get them off my ship.
0: That should be the uh the finale with Riker and Troy coming back in time to stop this from <laughs> saving the space Irish. Matt Ross says, At first, this is a nice, sweet story with an interesting look at ourselves, including the mixed messages from Cutler. However, with the aliens and their disease, I'm really confused by presenting Phlox's cure as a problem or an unwarranted interference. So they give some pain medication on the basis that other less advanced race will develop genetically and the superiors can find the cure on their own. I'm not sure that this was the right decision, especially because there was a way that both races could survive. And while I'm not thrilled with the decision, it's an interesting and difficult dilemma when they don't fly away happy. It gives we the viewers a look at an idea of a prime directive and a difficult and, and difficulty in trying decisions that would in the difficult in trying decisions that would have been made when meeting new races. Jakey's Gamer says, For some reason, a feature where everyone listens to classical music and only watches pre-1960s movies doesn't bother me, but I find the idea that they're still writing
1: letters and storing things on physical media a bit odd. Oh, well. They do a good job. Physical media has no place in Star Trek. They started doing it in the newer shows, and they still do it now, and it really bothers me. I don't know why. Photographs, paper, Mm. all that stuff. It just doesn't feel like it fits. And then, you know all of this you eventually get to picard where what's her name has a, a dorm room full of pictures that yeah. she took with her polaroid camera
0: yeah which are dated accurately so she can yeah. tell how <laughs> how old they are instead of just printing them out yeah it is weird is it just because you know in t and stuff when they used to handle those little pads that was like mm-hmm. futuristic but now we all have ipads right. and we'd be like well Looks like he's carrying an iPad around. I don't, I don't know what the difference is. They just, they like that stuff for some reason.
1: I think it's just, a- analog stuff just feels, doesn't feel futuristic. Yeah. You know? So when you got people pulling out hard copy photos, it's like, all right. And I, I mean, there is a little bit of, of, of uh, hindsight where we now live in the 21st century and
0: we know photos
1: are photos are very common. Mm-hmm. Hard hard copy photos are very much not common anymore. Yes, yeah. So I I think that is part of it. But it, it is all. It just feels it just feels weird. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. Like if I if if I were to see Captain Kirk on the on the Enterprise writing on a piece of paper, yeah. it would feel weird to me. <laughs> Although. When they used to
0: have him, they always had those scenes where the yeoman would come over and give him something to sign, and she would give him a that's pen, right. yeah. and he would write yeah, something. He gives like a clipboard. Yeah, yeah but you point. imagine it's just a stylus, and he's not writing on an actual piece of yeah. paper.
1: I mean, that stuff is just always so funny to think about. Like when you, in Wrath of Khan, where they go into his room, and it's decked out with like antiques from yeah. the 18th century and shit, and it's like, <laughs> I guess that stuff just has no monetary value, so it's really easy to get. Yeah. I don't know.
0: We're living in the peak time. Apparently in the twenty first century. It never gets better than the nineteen sixties to the nineteen nineties. That's just the That's what I've time. heard. Yeah. Yeah. Jake says they do a good job here presenting different points of view throughout the various dilemmas, and it's nice to see Archer develop as a character and learn from the experience. I love the scene between him and T'Pol in his ready room discussing whether or not they share warp technology. That kind of stuff is where Trek shines. There's a little too much going on overall, and I think it could have been more focused, but it's a good episode that shows us and the crew why the Prime Directive will become important in the future, Archer's on-the-nose comment notwithstanding. Stefan Minton says, "'This is a quiet episode that I enjoy very much. So many good scenes. Structuring the narrative around a letter is not new to Trek, but works great in this episode, and helps that Billingsley is probably the best actor of the bunch. Phlox's perspective as a self-assured outsider really allows us to examine our humanistic impulses when faced with the suffering of others.'" I'm not sure that I agree with Flox's position or Captain Archer's ultimate decision. Is the fear of playing God justified, or is it a lazy excuse to sit back and do nothing? Eh, there's the point, Clay. Is there not a middle ground between the two extremes? When you examine it closely, I think that the philosophical position will one day be called the prime directive itse- is itself a deeply flawed concept. But here an o- is an honest attempt at looking at the ethical implications of interfering with other cultures from multiple perspectives, and I appreciate that. Five vials of a cure that I will withhold from you for very good reasons out of five. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point, Stefan. I think you, you basically summarized my uh, problem with the Prime Directive. He should do the show. Maybe. I'll just cut him in. I'll take out whatever nonsense I said half an hour ago and cut him in. Will Yates says, Great world building again, and I'm glad we finally had a flock centric episode. Denob- it's Denobulans, I think. I always want to call them Denobulans, but I think it's Denobulans. Seem interestingly full of contradictions. I really, I really keep like liking hearing the alien languages before they can translate them. The idea of two intelligent beings coexisting on the same planet makes me sci-fi makes my sci-fi spidey sense tingle. I think Archer is evolving nicely as a captain. It's a shame though. Archer was
1: doing fine explaining the prime directive with other adjectives. I I did I did like that one line that kind of very casually called out how silly uh Star Trek races can be when I forget who it was but they were like you know, generally when we come to a planet, there's only one kind of people on this planet. <laughs> it's really rare that we have two different types of people on a planet that we visit.
0: One kind, of, yeah. It is, um, yeah. They, I think they say humanoid or something. Yeah, but it, it is a very, it was a very um meta commentary. I think, which I, I think the show actually. I don't know if it's just because it, it came later in the. Uh, the franchise run where stuff like them saying that now feels like it's the writers making a comment on the situation, Mm -hmm. but it definitely does every time that they mention something. But it feels like um, just that other scene with you. I know you didn't like the Archer pineapple thing or the Malcolm pineapple when Archer just like turns to the camera and he's like, what do we know exactly about Malcolm? Let's figure (laughs) that out. (laughs) Yeah. Darth Mosk says I must be in the minority in liking this episode based on all the online hate it gets. Well, you seem incorrect so far according to the patrons so you're in good company maybe I seem heartless especially considering we're in the middle of a pandemic ourselves but the story goes to great lengths to tell us it's built into their DNA this is like some other CRISPR RNA hacking that's needed to save them I'm sure there's an obligation to help those in need but I appreciate Archer's dilemma and moving closer to what will become the prime directive continuing to love to Paul, dropping knowledge on my boy Archer reminding him that getting deeply involved in this planet could wind up being like the Vulcans on Earth
1: so he kind of Mentioned something that i think is interesting i think flocks has a stronger argument if whatever the cure is involves changing them fundamentally on like a genetic level so it's not just because they don't really get into what the cure actually is it's like oh it's a genetic disease blah, blah 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 so like if he got into this idea where it's like in order to stop this disease we would need to change their you know genome or something you know what i mean yeah. like Literally change their their genetic makeup. Yeah, I think he's got a stronger argument there because then you're not just curing a disease. It's not like it's not like just like curing cancer. It's like like Gattaca, where you it becomes like eugenics essentially. Yeah, I, and I think that is a stronger argument.
0: I, I there's probably a Star Trek episode that feels like this, but I feel in that situation you'd have something like the Menk are the race on the planet, right? So they're kind of like the mm-hmm. lower tier class or whatever and their evolution that's i don't know if this works but the, the 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 tragedy of that setup would be that the cure stops them from their evolution of becoming more intelligent you know what i mean like to, in order to save sure. them from this disease it has to stop this progress for them and it kind of reverts them back to their original thing and that's then of, is it sorry go ahead well that, that feels like a, a tragedy episode to me we're, we're always harping on enterprise episodes wanting to be tragedies but it feels like they're kind of
1: begging for some of that is that I was gonna say? Is that not similar to what they did on Discovery with the the Kelpians and uh, the thingies where it's, the little they tendrils fall fell off? off. And they they become less interesting characters. I
0: honestly, <laughs> I honestly remember. So I thought it was just Saru whose things fell off. Was it not that?
1: No, it's it's a it's a it's a it's a Oh, it's thing, a genetic it's change. Like nev- That's right. Yeah, they never make it to that point because they get eaten by the giant. You know, squish monsters. Mm. So once they get, then they think the thing that they're doing is they end up killing. Is that what Did Do they kill themselves or something? There's something where it's like they never <laughs> get to that point. <laughs> right. No, I, it's, it's something like that where they never get to that point because of some, they've, they're they told that the thing that is happening is some sort of degenerative thing. Yes. But it's actually them like evolving to their next form or
0: whatever. Yes. No, I, I remember that now. Yeah, that, that's why they didn't want to explore the, um, their god, creature, place, or whatever, but that's actually them evolving into the nearest thing. Point Extra G says Dear Doctor borrows from Data's Day, giving us a look at the ex- episode from a specific character's eyes, once again with a letter to a colleague. And just like Data's Day, they find a way to give Flox a very different perspective, but also make that perspective understandable and relatable. Flox has been one of the more interesting characters, and it looks like episodes focusing on him should do well. I liked his scenes with Cutler, and it's sad that real-life tragedy reared its ugly head and intervened with them. As for the A-plot, it's a Prime Directive episode without the Prime Directive. It unfortunately borrows from the poor of the TNG staple in this case. It's still a good episode, though.
1: I am really upset, uh, disappointed that, well, I guess upset is the right word to use, that uh, the the actress who played Cutler died. Because yep. I, really, I really liked her in this episode. She had more character to her more character to her in this episode than i think most of them other cast have had up to this point yeah um like i you know i she was just really engaging and it's 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 a shame yeah
0: it, it, it is um it's a shame for me is what i'm saying <laughs> no i know it's it's um it's surprising she is good and you think this yeah, you think like DS nine did such a good job with the character building. You think this the smallness of the ship on Enterprise would lend itself to an extended cast, you would think, because there would yeah. be it's a show where it's justified to have the same ensign walking around all the time, like mm-hmm. you know, being the chef or something because you never see anybody else new. Eric McGowan says Dear Doctor, the first truly great episode of Enterprise for me, probably my favorite of season one. It reinvigorated my hopes for the show after a string of bad episodes. I like almost the rest of the episodes of the season from this point onward, so Dear Doctor is a pretty clear dividing line for the good and bad parts of season one for me. Five out of five for Dear Doctor. Interesting. Neil Brennan says, Dear Doctor, if someone issued a sort of, oh, I don't know, directive asking me to choose a, let's say, prime candidate for my favorite episode so far, this might be the one. All except for Archer's speech. But seriously, how much are you guys missing DS9 right now? Because I know that I am. It's an interesting question. Do you want to answer it?
1: Yes. You know you I, I don't know. I I, <laughs> I I don't know. I mean, I'm... I, I <laughs> Excuse me. I feel...
0: DS9 is funny because I, I do feel we finished DS9. So it's yeah. not like I feel like it was cut short or anything like that. Like it's like I, I got yeah. through it and I did it. I do – the farther away we move from DS9, the more I realize that that was the best Trek show for characters out of all of them. Sure. It was just the best cast and the best group of characters, I think. And Enterprise's biggest weakness to me at this point is the cast in a lot of ways. like Or not the cast, the characters that they've assembled here. Um, Two out of the six of them have personalities and then the four humans are just kind of like whatever people. yeah. Uh-huh. But that's the only thing, that's what I really miss from DS9, but I, I finished DS9, so I don't miss it, but I do find myself thinking about DS9 quite a bit more than the other Trek series that we've done.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know if I would say I miss it because I I, I never, I, I, I didn't like live in Deep Space Nine the way a lot of people do, like it was not a show that I watched a lot. I, I'm watching a lot of this for the first time. Yeah. So I am, you know, I, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was great. But I am interested to to see what's next. Yep. So it's I don't feel. I mean, talk to me in five episodes if it gets really bad. But I would have expected um, this
0: comment from Neil last episode after a couple of stinkers. But I think the Dear sure. Doctor was not an episode where it's like I wonder what the DS Nine crew are up to. Yeah. I mean,
1: if anything, this is the episode that makes me go, Oh, all right. Yeah. These guys. Maybe that's these guys got it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Eric Santuan says, Honestly, I think I preferred this episode when it was called Data's Day, but that's okay. Star Trek always does this. It repeats itself in an attempt to provide familiar comfort food to the fans, and we love them for it. So here we have the Enterprise version, and the resident walking eccentricity of this particular crew cheerfully musing about his wonderful life on board the ship, as if he were narrating a PBS documentary for children. Billingsley's a good actor, and Phlox is a likable character, so it's okay. At this point in the series, there are exactly two characters who who are remotely worth a shit, and he's one of them. How a show written by humans made the actual humans on the show so boring is beyond me, but there it is. I find the moral implications of the episode compelling, and I like that they don't necessarily take the easy way out. I think the compromise at the end is satisfying and logical. Though I could have done without Archer actively saying, it would be great if we had a uh, prime directive or something, because that's just
1: <laughs> silly. I, you know, when I when I made that comment a handful episodes ago, and I basically said exactly what he says here... Um. I wasn't expecting them to be so on the nose he 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 almost goes like, I wish we had some sort of prime directive <laughs> you know like it's it, it, he he basically doesn't take it the camera yeah. when he when he says it yeah um yeah uh, it's it's fine, but it I was expecting something maybe a little less on the nose, but yeah i it's funny because it's, i it's like two in a row where it's like if we maybe had some phasers on this ship we could really get things done <laughs>
0: yeah it's it, it, it's a weird lack of subtlety because you can have that exact scene and just don't have him mention anything about prime or directive or any of the immediate entries that show up in the thesaurus when you look up either of those words Price. and you're totally fine and you get what he's talking about yeah yeah kyle barrett says despite the terrible prime directive wink wink moments and archer's heart, half measure of supplying them with medicine at the end uh, Archer's half measure of supplying them with medicines at the end. I love this episode. My favorite of the season and one of the best of the entire series. The only missed opportunity is not having Flocks reply to Archer's Can You Find a Cure with Find a Captain? I found it 35 minutes ago. A reference to Watchmen dying to be made, but a 5 out of 5 nonetheless. A reference to what? A reference to Watchmen dying to be made. Is that a... D- oh. I didn't see Watchmen, so I can't get the reference. Kyle's oh. deep cut is oh. killing oh. us.
1: Is Flocks? Doctor Manhattan in this situation, I guess. I'll
0: read it again. You, I might have read it so that you. Didn't no, that's it all right.
1: That's all right. I, I didn't want to hear it the first time. <laughs> the, the only missed opportunity
0: is not having Flocks reply to Archer's. Can you find a cure? With find it, Captain. I found it thirty-five minutes ago. I don't get the. I don't get the
1: reference. I yeah. I, Should we embarrass I, Kyle if, one if, if more time by going over to? <laughs> if he had said that, I wish Archer had been like Flocks. Don't be such an asshole. <laughs>
0: No, I'm sorry. I didn't watch The Watchmen, so I can't get it.
1: Norman Buckwald
0: says Dear Doctor, as far as I can remember, this is one of the exceptional few highlights of the first season. First, it was the first pronounced
1: Phlox episode. And while I already wait, does he just want to see Phlox's big blue dick? Is that what he's saying? (laughs) First, it's a safe space, you could just say it, Kyle.
0: First, it was the first pronounced Phlox episode, and well I already liked the character before, I really like him after. It's also a good Prime Directive episode, as long as you don't mind the prequel bomb of suggestion. It also proves right here and immediately right here and immediately the controversy of the Prime Directive to begin with. This was finally besides maybe the Andorian incident that truly remembered it's a prequel. The first ep- this was the first episode he says the Endoriness, and then the truly remembered. It's a prequel and could provide quite effective world building to its already established canon. Four out of five, and so far it's the only four of this season for me, which has been mostly twos. And then final comment, Captain Brazen. The road to hell is paved with good intentions, or is it? John Billingsley nails his performance, making this a great episode of Enterprise in the larger Trek canon. The episode wonderfully dissects the philosophy of the Prime Directive and ultimately shows us the guts of what making this thing a directive makes this thing a directive. Later on, to me, the Prime Directive is perhaps too black and white and flawed, especially within TNG. When here, it's more of a gray area balance. Comp- Balance slash compromise between your compassionate moral side and your ethical principles. Archer and T'Pol's discussion about helping this race was gold. I love the line Vulcan stayed to help Earth 90 years ago, and we're still there. Flock's turning on the sickbay lights in the beginning and then turning them off at the end was a nice visual way to enter and exit the conversation the episode introduces. However, the moral ethical question is still alive after the credits roll. Oh, and the crewman Cutler reappears for a movie date with the doc. (coughs) Nice. Five. Wait, how many wives do you have again? Out of five. About a five out of five. Out of
1: fives. Yeah,
0: yeah. Clay, what do you, you know?
1: Uh, I know we're 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 running over here, so maybe we can keep this short or talk about it some other time. But speaking of 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 all this prequel stuff that they're doing, like dropping the Prime Directive and the phasers, all that kind of stuff. Uh, Phase how canons, do you feel? Yes. Yeah. How do you feel about the way that they're doing it? Like, do you feel like it's too winky, or do you do you feel like it's it's handled relatively fine?
0: I actually think it's fine for the most part. Yeah. It's it's only when I think back and realize how much of it they've done, like they did the holodeck too, lest we forget right. that they introduced right. that technology. It does feel that they do it too often, but it doesn't it doesn't bother me for some reason. Um do you feel the same? Or do you do you think that I, they're pushing it out too
1: much? I do. I think I think the the key is that they are they're doing it fairly naturally to the story that they're telling. Yeah. It doesn't feel like a a uh, fan service for the. It doesn't feel like this is the the third. This is episode three. Who hasn't been in the movie? Uh, let's call up Chewbacca. You yeah, know, yeah. it doesn't it doesn't feel like that. It also doesn't feel like Holodeck wasn't uh, even the point of the
0: episode. It was in. Right. It was just kind exactly, of a technology yeah. that they had. And it's
1: yeah. and it's not even a thing where like Tri- Trip or Malcolm is like, I need to get the schematics for that. Yeah. Right. You know, it's not it's not a uh, uh marvin Barry and back to the future moment um it's and i i think they're handling it better than the stuff that they do on discovery where like you end up having captain pike go i don't want to have holographic communications on my ship ever only screens <laughs> like it's not it's not like that so it's it's actually i it, i think they're handling it pretty well for the most
0: yeah, part yeah that's a good point discovery does do it discovery I guess the difference there is that Discovery, when it does it, it always feels like they are desperate to explain something that they've set up poorly to start with. It feels like it's an out to a situation. And here it feels like it's more just like kind of happenstance that they run into things. And I think that that's an important distinction to have between the two of them. Yeah, I think so. Thank you, patrons. A lot of thoughts on Dear Doctor, a uh, beloved episode, apparently. A lot of fives out of that. A lot of people mm-hmm. saying their first fives. Clay, what are you going to give this one on our scale of one to five? I'm,
1: I'm adding it to the pile. This is a five for me. Wow, interesting. Yeah, I like this one a lot. Is it a five for me? This is the first episode where I would say, if you're going to watch Enterprise, you've got to watch this episode. Yeah.
0: I, I, I My fear here is I give it a four, and it, feel, it feels like a retroactive five to me, I think, is my, my yeah. concern here.
1: Um, So what you're saying is you're considering if you give it a four now, what's going to happen, say, I don't know, 500 years in the future? Right, exactly.
0: (laughs) What will my great, 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 great grandchildren think if I give this thing a five right now? I will. Did I have a problem with this episode? I don't think I talked about any problems, really. I'll give it a five, too i think it is good i think billings league's good i think the setup is good i think it's well directed and well written and they did as fine a job as you can do with the prime directive as i think you can really mm. um to was good in it flox is good archer's good in it i mayweather's like the archer not in-, in it
1: what's that mayweather's not, it.
0: mayweather's not in it i was reading the memory alpha thing though uh and trap and um Anthony Montgomery, who plays Travis,
1: uh, considered this his favorite episode, which is just very ironically <laughs> funny to me. Because he got to watch the whole thing from behind the camera, I guess. <laughs> he got paid and didn't have to no. do anything. I, You know, he's. it's a shame that they couldn't figure out what to do with him because, you know, it, it seems very clear that they don't know what to do. But anyway, it's a different
0: the, conversation. The, the, yeah, we'll get to him. But the the funny thing is, he's not a bad actor. It's not like I'm seeing episodes no. with him and I'm going like, oh, no. God, what what the hell is this? Like, get this guy out of here. Yeah. He's... Why couldn't they pivot him into something? Just you know, yeah. after half a season, be like this Boomer thing is like irrelevant. How about we just have him That's, have some I other still, characteristic?
1: Still think he should have been the time traveler in that episode. But he, he
0: likes he likes boiled ham. Him and Malcolm can get be a pair together and have some <laughs> ham pineapple pizza, hot, some hot hot ham water. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna give it a five. I think I think it's a very I think it's a very good episode that left me feeling. Um, very satisfied with it in a way that the other Enterprise episodes have not to this point. Um, and we'll see if the series learns its lessons from this episode, if there are any.
1: You know, I just on a lark was uh, uh, clicking back on some of our early Discovery reviews. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of jumping through them, and I was trying to figure out where it went so bad for us with that show, because the first episode starts out with at least me saying I loved it.
0: Vulcan, you're talking about season one of Discovery.
1: Yeah, yeah. And then I jumped to, like, the second to – or the the season – half season mark, and I kind of jumped through that episode, and we were kind of like, yeah, it was actually pretty good. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. We have Eric exactly. on the Discord
0: who just did his uh, season one review where he seemed fairly yeah. positive on it.
1: I know that it turned, I think. I
0: remember I think the, it- he's gone through it. Everyone's gone through it. I remember the Lorca reveal in the Mirror Universe being a, a standout mo- moment where I was like, what the fuck? Like, what, what right. is this? Like, this, is, this yeah. is terrible. So I think once they went to the Mirror Universe is where I, at least in my hazy memory, remember being like, this is not this is not
1: doing it yeah. at this point I think I think that's the point where we realize that they were not in control of their ship yeah, I think yeah. yeah uh
0: that's it fives for both of us thank you patrons for listening to the show thank you for supporting the show patrons and everyone else thank you for listening very much if you want to support the show patreon.com the pensky file otherwise all the social media links are down below there's a uh, Penske file the slash links you can go there all the social medias and I think that's pretty much it. Clay, do you have anything you want to say?
1: Uh, we got a new Rotten Horror Picture Show coming next week. We're doing um, the other half of our Ty West retrospective. I don't know. Um, <laughs> we're doing House of the Devil.
0: Oh, nice. Did that just randomly uh, happen, or is that a oh, – No, wild- I
1: put my th- – yeah, I put my thumb on the scale on that one because we had done the innkeepers as a wild card, and then I was – uh, I was interested enough that I wanted to watch them back to back just mm-hmm. to kind of be able to talk about both of them. Yeah. So uh, uh, I, I I called an audible on that one.
0: I have Didn't, to, I have to watch Inkeepers I, because I'm with Kyle in that final shot. I I haven't seen it in motion. I will get, I will grant you that. Sure. But like that that thing with the red arrow pointing at it. It's like what
1: what what is? Like, oh, it's super it's super subtle. Like if you yeah it it's uh intentionally so i believe mm-hmm. but uh but yeah i uh, uh house of the devil is an interesting movie that i don't think quite holds up it's weird i think now, th- thanks for joining us to the Addendum. second half of our show where we talk about <laughs> it's is our longest episode uh, on a
0: single episode i think interestingly yeah i mean let's just keep going hmm. i got nothing to do
1: um i think the innkeepers gets better on second watch i think uh House of the Devil gets worse on second watch. Oh, okay. So I think it's that kind of thing. But
0: Yeah, I haven't seen either. I'll have to check them out. Um,
1: and uh, I think Batman's going to be coming back. Badass is going to come back the following week, I think. Oh, interesting. Good. Uh, we've got a, we've got enough banked that we're going to start. Um, uh, we're going to alternate with Rotten Heart Picks show and Badass. So it's going to be every other week with each one of them. So it'll be Rotten one week and then Badass the next week. Badass has gone and, through uh, the
0: most uh, schedule changes of any of the shows so far. Yeah
1: yeah well you know every other week is a good
0: pace for some of the for things i
1: think so i think so especially something like that um but yeah so we'll we'll keep things we're gonna keep things staggered and i've got enough in the in the in the bank that i think we can start putting them out and and not feel too rushed about it
0: yeah you guys can look forward to that i still have to back uh sean's indiegogo you've reminded me i need to do that so i'll do that um Mm -hmm. everyone else can do that as well go to indiegogo and search up sean's uh new book that he's got it's called the the plot holes, plot holes, and that's about it. I think we're done. Thank you guys very much, dear doctor. I don't think we have anything else to say. Let me click and see what the next episode is. It is. This is a tradition on the show. Shadows of Pajem. Do you remember Pajem? No. <laughs> <laughs> Do you listen to the show? I don't remember that shit. What the hell is Pajem? Pajem is the uh, temple that the Endorian incident took place on, the Vulcan monastery.
1: No, I you. you gun to my head i never would have been able to tell you
0: they're going back they're going i think that's what it is if i'm remembering it they got to fill their growlers up they got to go in and yeah (laughs) someone someone made a good i don't know if i might have read it the patron comment on uh, the pineapple thing they should have someone should have just gone to the uh vulcan spy center and asked them what malcolm's favorite food was because apparently (laughs) they've got their fingers all over everything yeah good point guys thank you very much for listening we will see you next time